Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today is another one of those days where I find myself wishing I knew how the people in the Old Testament culture of the church sang their songs and their hymns. Exodus chapter 15, our text today, is the song that Moses and the people of Israel sing in celebration of being brought out of Egypt. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to Yahweh, saying, I will sing to Yahweh, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Yahweh is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Yahweh is a man of war. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Yahweh, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Yahweh, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Yahweh, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as stone. Till your people, O Yahweh, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Yahweh, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. Yahweh will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh and with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, Yahweh brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on the dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out with her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to Yahweh, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to Yahweh, and Yahweh showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Then Yahweh made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of Yahweh your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh your healer. Then they came to Elam, where they were 
where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. This is the word of the Lord. So the Israelites sing praise to God. Again, I don't know what this would have sounded like. I know verse 2, we have at least part of it in our liturgy today. It's actually uh, verse 2 gets cited, I guess you would say, as part of Isaiah chapter 12, verses 2 through 6. And that chunk is what we actually sing in the liturgy, uh, that fullness. But, I mean, it's pretty much word for word from here. One word is missing. Um, This says, Yahweh is my strength and my song, whereas that song um, in Isaiah 12, I didn't look it up. It's either the Lord Yahweh or it's Yahweh God. Uh, In English, it reads, the Lord God is my strength and my song. That's the the one difference. Um, And so that one I know how to sing. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. It's really a pretty tune. Uh, if you if you haven't heard it before, I encourage you to do look it up. Um, but this is part of our liturgy. It's part of the service of prayer and preaching. It's the Old Testament canticle. So that might help you track it down if you're trying to find it on, on the computer. Now, before we get to verse 2, which is, is good to talk about, the, the purpose for the song, I will sing to Yahweh for because he has triumphed gloriously. This is a chance to review with your family what he has done. Let your children tell the tale. What's God done for them up to this point? Why are they singing a song to him now? Uh, the opportunity to reflect on God delivering them from slavery in Egypt, the ten wonders or the ten plagues, followed by the drowning of Egyptian army in the Red Sea, which is what the song is going to detail here next. So you do have the beauty of verse 2. Uh, it is so true. God is our strength. God is our song, so he's the very thing that comes from our lips. He gives us every breath that we have. He he fights for us. He defends us. He protects us. And he has become my salvation. You can certainly connect that for your family to Jesus, uh, which is well and good, that he is our salvation. This is my God. it's, It's a very strong, strong statement, confession of faith. To praise is to speak well of. To exalt is to lift up. So we're speaking well of our God. Uh, We also lift him up that others might see him is the purpose of that. To exalt someone is to make it so others can see them. Yahweh is a man of war. A statement. Uh, This is what he's done for them, though. This is what they've been watching and witnessing and seeing over the course of months or possibly a year or so. Uh, However long it took those ten wonders to play out. really isn't a timeline given to us in the scriptures. Yahweh is his name. A reminder to Exodus chapter 3 that that is the name by which he is to be remembered from generation to generation. So verse 4 jumps into what God did, the drowning of Pharaoh's army. Uh, That word host means army. And then, uh, again, giving some glory to God again. Verse 6 and 7, glorious and power shatters the enemy. Those are strong phrases that you can focus on and unpack. But really, you can take six and seven both. How do they apply to us today? A family question to discuss, but ultimately that's looking at Jesus. So you think of this in in terms of Jesus. Jesus has the right hand, right? In the Apostles' Creed, we say that as he has ascended into heaven, he sits at the right hand of God the Father. So 
the salvific, the saving arm of God, his right hand, glorious in power, shatters the enemy, overthrows his adversaries, consumes them. So what power of Christ consumed his enemies and what enemies are we talking about? So this is the cross of Christ, which we read about. Paul uses that kind of language about the cross being really the only thing, the cross of Christ, and then the enemies of sin, death, and the devil. So some good conversations, certainly ways that we can connect this song, this salvation account from the Old Testament, really a, a foreshadowing of the salvation account that we have in Christ. Verse 8, they they attribute the the wind that parted the sea to Yahweh breathing, right? The blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. That's an impressive sight. Verse 9, look at the subject. I will, I will, I will, my desire, I will, my hand. What's wrong with that picture? Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer to pray not for our will to be done, but thy will be done, your will. Uh, if we're focusing on the will of God, things go better than if we're focusing on our own will in this world. And it's certainly the case for the Egyptians here as they are demolished. Verse 11 asks the question, who is like you, O Yahweh, among the gods? And this is what really the, the wonders were proving all along, is that there was no other. There is no one who is like God. And then they point out in the song, doing wonders. They acknowledge no other God has broken into the world and worked in this way. This is certainly unique in history. Verse 12, uh, he stretched out his hand and the earth swallowed them. So that's a reference to the sea drowning the Egyptian army. But this is going to happen again, unfortunately, in the wilderness when Korah rebels against God's leadership in Moses. And God actually is going to swallow up Korah for that rebellion. And you can read about that one in Numbers chapter 16. Verse 13 gives us that word steadfast love, which is a beautiful word in the Hebrew language. Hesed. It doesn't sound great in our English tongue, but um, it's a beautiful meaning to it. Uh, steadfast love is how you'll always see it translated in the ESV Bibles. It can also be read as um, covenant faithfulness or just faithfulness in general. Uh, and so this word refers to how God looks upon us as his people. So he looks on us with love. He looks on us with faithfulness. We can trust God to do what he says he will do. We can take his promises to heart because of who he is and what he has done for us. So it's a great word. Uh, in his steadfast love, you, you've redeemed your people. Uh, to redeem is to buy something back. He's bought them back. Verse 14, the enemies tremble. And then you get four of them, Philistia, Edom, Moab, Canaan. Those are enemies that are going to be enemies of Israel for years to come. Edom is, well, Philistia is just to the southwest. Edom and Moab are also southern, um, south and southeast. And then Canaan is really in the promised land. So those are immediate ones not getting into the northern enemies or the eastern enemies that they will also have in the time to come. Verse 16, the fear of Yahweh allows Israel to pass by and have this chance to be established have this chance to settle down and become their own nation, 
as God had once promised long ago, back in Genesis, well, with Abram in chapter Genesis 12 through 17, that kind of, that kind of section of, of the Bible. The song wraps up at 18, but the women take up the song again. Miriam uh, takes the women and they begin singing and dancing. And you see that in verse 21, which is almost word for word, the same as verse one, uh, the beginning of the song. So it makes it sound like maybe they just kept the song going. Verse 22 shifts the focus of the chapter a little bit. Now we get a, an event that comes after this. They had wandered for three days. They had no water. And so the people grumble against God and against Moses for the second time. Uh, third time, if you're not count, if you are counting the time in Egypt before Pharaoh. Um, I'm going to stop counting that, though, at this point. So we'll, we'll count grumblings. Um, starting when they left Egypt. So the first one happened at the Red Sea when they thought they were going to die there. And this is the second. Verse 25, they, Moses trusts in God and he takes the problem to God in prayer. God gives him a log to put in the water and the water becomes drinkable. That's quite a, a, a miracle, a, a picture there of God's provision and his care. That there was water, but they couldn't drink it. And God cleanse the water for them a water that would have brought them death uh, suddenly tastes sweet now we mentioned in 23 i guess it's 24 that they were grumbling against god but here in 25 it identifies it's actually god who's testing them if you will listen to yahweh and do what is right god will be your healer what a promise what a promise that is. And how could you not trust in Yahweh after all that you have seen him do with the ten wonders, destroying the Egyptian army, and now this <laughs> random seeming miracle of turning bitter water into sweet water. God has done all of this for you in your presence, in your sight. How could you not trust that he will care for you? And yet they don't. That's the story that comes in the days ahead unfortunately. Now, that phrase, I am Yahweh, your healer, is a good one. Not only did God heal Israel, rescuing them from slavery, but again, just as we talked about before, how this all points us forward to Christ. Jesus is the healer, not just of the Jews, but also of the Gentiles. Jesus brings the healing power of God to all of his creation. The forgiveness of sins is not for some, it's for all people, all who trust in him. All who have faith in Christ and in his promises will be healed. It may not be here. It may not be a temporary healing of the body now, but body and soul healed and restored and together again in paradise before Christ forevermore. That's the promise. Amen. Is there